Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hi, everybody. This is the Cricket Badger Podcast. Each badger marks the track with its own scent. His black legs are short but very powerful for digging. The name badger probably comes from the French word bécher, meaning digger. Welcome along. It's the first one of our Ashes Cricket Badger podcasts. And I've basically been commentating on most of the first test matches. This is why we're not doing a daily one throughout it. Otherwise, I would be dead, quite frankly. Um, but apart from that, uh, we're looking forward to the second test. We're looking back at the first test. We're actually going to try and pick a combined 11. Because somebody said to me the, uh, this morning, how many of the English players would get into the Australian side? So we're going to be uh, having a think about that as well. But um, let's meet bring on my fan badges today. We've got Phil, Mark and Ollie. And uh, good evening to you, gentlemen. Um, let's have a look ahead back to the uh, the first test match um, at first. Um, obviously, England going down by nine wickets um, in at the Gabba in Brisbane. It wasn't the best of performances by England. Um, the Gabba is notoriously a tough place to go and, and win. And so I don't think anybody's particularly surprised that England didn't win there. But let's start with you, Mark. Um, I know that you're always glasses half empty when it comes to England. I reckon you, I think you've put a bet on 5 0 for Australia or 4 0 for Australia or something particularly depressing. Um, did you see anything from England in that first test match which made you think eh, there's a bit of scope here for some improvement? Um, yeah, I did actually. I think. England are England. I thought they'd lose at the Gabba. Um, I do think they'll lose the Test Series. But I think I think they can take heart um, in the stand of Milan and Roots, obviously. Um, I thought Ollie Pope in the first innings actually played quite well. Um, got, he got out dreadfully in the second innings. But, you know, the, the lad's still got some potential. I think um, Ollie Robinson confirmed what we knew in the summer, that he was a... A very, very going to be a very, very good um, test match bowler. Uh, Mark Wood bowled with a lot of gas, and I thought he was extremely unlucky. He had about numerous occasions, and over time he could have had four or five wickets. So, so there was hope for England there, but there's always hope for England there, isn't it? Because they always do it as individuals, and they can always pull off a test match. But whether they can pull off a test series is a completely different matter. It's a, it's the hope that kills you. Isn't it? That's it the is. phrase. And uh, we had a little bit of hope at the end of day three, Ollie, didn't we? Because England had had that fantastic partnership between Milan and Roots. We we rocked up on day four thinking, oh, fantastic. England could even get themselves ahead here and put pressure on Australia. That was not to be, was it? We kind of, the hope disappeared very quickly. I, I tell you what, with experience, why, why do you still put yourself through it? You know it was inevitable that, you know, your heart, your heart says... We, you know, we've got no chance here. Oh, sorry, we, we have got loads of chance. And your head is just saying, what are you thinking? How can we get back in this? But actually, um, that was one most disappointing thing, that England showed their 
again, their ability to be so inconsistent day to day, have an excellent day, get themselves right back in the game and then to absolutely throw it all away in a poor session the next day, almost immediately. And, they, and it's that what comes back to, to Horton all the time. They lose big moments and when they lose them bad, they lose them, they lose them pretty badly. They, they come out of these moments just absolutely, it's like a football team come down at 5-0 at half-time, quite regularly. You often can come back from those and it just proved it again. Great day, followed by an absolute abysmal one. Yeah, I mean, I actually tweeted, I think, on the morning of day four, um, how many times do England turn 220 for two into 300 all out? And I actually was over-optimistic there because they, they finished three short of 300. Um, Phil, I, I don't know how much of the, the first test match you, you managed to be able to watch, but... Um, it wasn't much to bat. watch, was it? England can't back, can they? Um, it's It's got to be... It's got to be one of the weakest batting lineups we've had in a long while. There's, I mean, I suppose you've got a, you've got the mitigation of Stokes being a shadow of his self at the moment coming back. Um, but you look at the two up top. I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure there are better options there to open. But I think that is fundamentally where our problem lies: is we're just not getting the foundations. Roots having to come in early, and if he doesn't perform, that's it. That's it. Um, uh, and yeah, uh, Pope flattered to deceive. He's he's not really kicked on in the way we hoped he would. Uh, and Joss Butler continues to be a bit of an, an enigma in the Red Bull game. Um, so uh, the thing is, is each of, you look at them as individuals and you think, well, there's there's some good players in there. Now, particularly Butler, particularly well, particularly Butler, and, and obviously Stokes as well. But it's it, it's hard to imagine. It's hard to see what you do with it. Who do you bring in? I mean. Um, you know, as an Essex man, I'd love to see uh, Lawrence play, but is he going to really improve that batting lineup already? I suppose you'd come in for Pope, but you know, of, of all the batsmen in that, uh, of all the batting efforts, his was one of the better ones in the first innings, as Mark rightly pointed out. So it, it just, that, that, it, as you say, the hope kills you, but it, it just feels pretty hopeless in terms of batting. And it, and it, I see what it does is it makes you feel sorry for people like Mark Wood who churns his guts out, running in relentlessly, putting and whatever damage he's doing to his you know joints and back to then have to come back out again within two and a half sessions to start all over again it, it, it's just uh, I mean I'm demoralised watching it so I'm being on the other end of it I'd imagine there's uh, more than a few words being exchanged well, I'm really pleased we invited you on you've made me feel really depressed now <laughs> um, I mean let's go down the bat, the batsman and let's start with um, you Mark on, on Rory Burns because I want to hear this um, I, I, I actually looked back um, at Rory Burns I think a couple of seasons ago and he was getting across towards off stump but he was getting across in a balanced sideways on fashion and then th- therefore able to adapt to whatever ball came down that that right leg is going so far across he's almost on the verge of turning his back to the bowler isn't he he's just if it's a straight ball or as Mitchell Stark produced off that first ball of the series um he's in trouble isn't he yeah and i think in an alternative career he might get a job as a contortionist or something or some kind of um circus act but um i don't know what to say about rory burns anymore um i really don't so he dissected his technique on so many occasions. He's, you know, he's made. He just, you know, he's, I don't think he's going to get any better than he is. He's going to get one more Test match, maybe. But you know, he's. It's just. Um, it's, as Phil says, it's just an indication of where we are. The opening partnership for a long time now has been problematic. Burns plays the anticipation of what you'd expect a test opener to play like. You know, he's averaging 31. That's what he'll probably average if he plays another 20 test matches. So they've got to make a decision on him uh, sooner rather than later because he's but, not the, going the, anywhere. The, the counter-argument, Mark, would be that an average of 31, if you could get two openers that average 31 at least, it would get you through to a situation where Joe Root and co are coming in with some runs on the board. We saw in the second innings, at the Gabba, that Root came in at 65 for two rather than 11 for two. And you saw the difference that made to Joe Root because he wasn't under quite so much pressure and he was against the older ball and was able to then knock the ball around a little bit more comfortably. The other thing that makes me reluctant to write off Rory Burns is that I've done that once before. He played terribly against Ireland and everybody was saying he's absolutely shocking. He's got so many moving parts. It's an absolute nightmare. 
And yet he turned himself around off the back of that and came back and scored, I think, three centuries that summer against Australia. So he has got a little bit about him. His character is nothing nothing wrong with his character and his kind of durability and his mental, but he just doesn't got the technique to last. I mean, if you're talking about 31 as as an average for a test match opener and we're thinking that's rich pickings, then the the bar bar set very, very low, isn't it? Well, it is though, isn't it? Who comes in for him though, Mark? Well, I don't know. I mean, I've got no answers anymore because, we, you know, again, we've been around it. Last summer, we had the same debates, didn't we? You know, it seems to be like some kind of weird Kafka model with with England. Everything goes round and around and, you know, they talk about planning and then, you know, and they're planning and then they don't play Jack Leach and then, then he comes in for the first test. Nothing seems to be, there doesn't seem to be any, I don't know, there just seems to be any strategy, really. They, they, they talk about strategy, but they don't seem to have any. I just don't know. They just, they just don't want to play as a team and they're not good enough. You know, Burns will get another test match. He might get some runs here and there, but, you know, for him to play another 40 test matches? No, I don't think so. Hasip Hamid, though, Oli. He didn't kick on. He got in the 20s and but he looked good. He looked like he, he knows where he's off stump is. He knows what he's doing. He's got the technique that you think that if England persevere with him, then there might be a bright future for Hasib. He, he and, and you tweet about this, but I still think it was a little bit unfortunate to get out even though it's a strangle and the, the second innings, so I thought that was a little bit unfortunate. It's still an edge, he, though, isn't it? Yeah, it is an edge. You know, sometimes they go for four, though, don't they? So uh, I think he looks like he's definitely got the temperament. He's got a much more correct classical way of playing. He looks like he's got the ability of good defence and he can put away the bad ball. I think the issue with Hamid is, and, and it was said last time, we, I, I, I dissected a little bit, it was against India, and that was mainly against some of the spinners can bowl at him. He has a really, I know it doesn't matter as much in test cricket, but he can get bogged down quite quite often. So he has a high dot ball percentage. So the ball's not there to put away. He can't rotate. So he can be stuck at one end quite often or get the other batsman stuck at the other end. So I think he, he needs to, to look at just a couple of ways of getting uh, shots away to, to break it up a little bit. Alistair Cook didn't have the most amount of shots, but he was able to rotate when he had to. And he, he'll be the first to say that he wasn't, you know, the most flamboyant player. But we compare those, we, that's the sort of ability or run scoring and a run getting that we've got to look at. You might not get quite as close to him, but he's definitely got the temperament there. He just has a few areas to, to, to look at to ensure that he can help the team as much as possible and actually help himself get more runs in the process of doing it and take the pressure off. You tell you, wouldn't you, the more tests he plays and the more he gets used to that level and the more he starts to believe that he belongs at that level because it's so, yeah, everybody's got that imposter syndrome when they first go into that England side, I'm sure, you know, regardless of whether you're, you're Kevin Peterson or you're Hasi Pamid or who, who you are, you'd hope that that would actually start to make him think, you know, be a little bit more expansive. He doesn't have to be David Gower cover drives, but he can be a little bit more expansive and get away from strike, like you say, but that, that'll come with time, I think. I hope so. You hope mixing around those players and the coaches. I mean, I'm not sure what coaching England are doing with the batsmen. They don't seem to be improving much at the moment. But there's, there's 22 backroom staff out there with England. Apparently. I don't think it's, the, it's not. An, it's not a matter of technique or um, talent with him. I think it's just about tweaking and, like you say, making him feel more comfortable and getting used to that bowling and also what's expected of him going to that next level as a player. It's holiday season, and that means there are stockings to be stuffed and elves to be cuffed. Well, today's sponsor at Manscaped has gone global with the tools to guarantee you will score under the tree and the mistletoe. Manscaped is the leader in men's below-the-waist grooming and they have served more than 4 million men worldwide. If my maths is correct, that's almost 8 million baubles. Get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com with the promo code BADGER. Be the ballsiest gift giver this year with Manscaped. Phil, David Milan, I was impressed with him in the second innings. I think he looks a, he looks a good player. Um, yeah. I think he understands his game a lot more than he did three years ago. And I, I've been saying this week, I think he's a really good example of why it's not a bad thing necessarily to go back to a previous failure. Because if you go back to somebody that's failed before and they've gone away and they've thought about life and they've thought about their game and they've thought about Test cricket, you'd think when they come back a second time around, they're a little bit more equipped to do that. And I also think with David Milan, because of his age, he actually thinks this is just a free hit now for him. Yeah. I, I, yeah. You, once the 
Well, yeah. Once the once someone's out, it shouldn't be the closing of a door, particularly when you are there. There's so many things to that that could be going wrong to cause a player to underperform. Um, and you know, the circumstances coming back, maturity, just you know, a bit of psychological maturity. Um, a, 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 anything could be the key to unlocking the potential that all these players cl- uh, clearly have. I mean, the, I, I yeah. I mean, I mean that 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 really is the. Sol- Probably the answer to the opening issue is probably going back and looking at some of the others we've we've already discounted. Or, I mean, I, I feel sorry for Burns and Hamid because it feels like we're so underprepared for this. And obviously, something I was moaning about in the text messages that I, 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 I appreciate not everyone sees the value of practice games, but I think there is value in just being out in the middle and feeling bat and ball. And um, just getting used to Australian conditions, and 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 casting someone aside after you know, one failure in a certain set of conditions in a certain uh, set of circumstances, it, it just doesn't make any sense. Um, you, people should be tried in different scenarios. They should be reassessed. Otherwise, what's the point? You come in if, if you've only got one chance. I mean, Hamid is another example of that. He's obviously had his chance and come back, and there is not a rip roaring success, but. Um, he's certainly not the worst option we've got out there at the moment, uh, and you know, showing some glimpses of p- potential as well. I mean, you you can't judge people by their f- their first efforts. It, it's it simply doesn't make sense to have these resources and simply cast them away at the first opportunity I, on, I on any Rory, level. I think with Rory Burns, it's not just that he he didn't score runs; it was the manner of how he didn't score runs, the yeah. the leg position, everything else. It was just so I mean, that out. was baffling. It was baffling. It's just, I mean. I, I, Whoever, if whoever the batting coach is out there that's been working with Rory Burns, you'd think at some stage they'd say to him, "Rory, you, you're right, legs at cover point, mate. Where, where are you going?" But you're you're not getting to this point of your career and going to England for for the coaching. You're not going off to play in an Ashes to be coached. Your technique should already be there. You've been picked because technically uh, and mentally uh, you are the best person to do that job. And if you're going to England still needing to sort your technique out, then it shows we've got bigger issues. Um, now, things obviously creeping, things change. I, I mean, I I was astonished by that foot movement. I, if it's been happening before, I've certainly missed it. If this is new and it's crept in, that's what a coach should be spotting is, have you noticed that's what you're doing with your, it's, your foot? From what, from what I can see, Phil, it's, it's not uh, – his feet, if I can kind of get my hands in the right place – his feet have been um, kind of going across to off stump. So he's been looking to try and counter the swing, but they've been going across in a level fashion. Whereas at the moment, one foot's going that way and the other foot's going well past it, isn't it? And it's yeah, just- it's like he doesn't actually know where his off stump is. I mean, it, it and pre- I, I, I don't know. It's, it's I mean, the reason, it's the reason he goes though. across to off stump is to know where his off stump is, but then he's got his legs in a taffle. It's just, yeah. yeah, it didn't make any sense. Well, he's completely off balance. Once he's gone over there, he's then reaching back past himself mm-hmm. to try and play anything that's not on that off stump. Uh, and indeed, it, I, it, I mean, it, it, I mean, it's an astonishing technical issue to have developed. Hello to Adam. He's saying good evening to us all. Um, and we've got, unfortunately, when you come on Facebook and you put questions on the on the Facebook, um, it just says Facebook users. If you want a name check, stick your name on your message. But um, Facebook user says, evening lads. Um, old Steve Smith has moving parts to his technique, smiley face. I mean, that, that's that's true, Mark, isn't it? But the moving parts that he completely understands. There's there's so many moving parts to Rory Burns that you you, you feel that if if only one thing goes out of sync, everything else goes out of sync. Whereas Steve Smith, he he always seems to be balanced, even though it is a bit waggly and a bit strange. You have to be. I mean, I was going to interject on Phil. Though. I mean, you have to be an exceptional player to have an unusual technique. It's as simple as that. And Steve Smith has mastered a technique. He's also an exceptional player. Uh, Shandapur was another one who mastered an unusual technique. He was an exceptional player, an exceptional talent. I think when you're not at that level to have a technique of Burns, it's always going to leave you exposed, like a lot of England's a lot of England's batsmen. Um, it's the same with Hashib Hamid to a certain degree. He could be an exceptional player. I'm not saying he won't be, but one of his major problems is he plays with very low hands. Yeah. So he's you know, he's going out and he's nicking off. So, you know, so unless you're an exceptional player, you can't get away with having quirky techniques, and especially at the highest level. 
And Rory Burns is way off being an exceptional player. And he has got moving parts that move every different test match they're moving somewhere else. And that's the other problem. So, Is it know, harder for openers to have that quirky technique? I, I, I think, think openers yeah. have to be more technical, don't they? Yes, of course they do. I mean, you look at the, some of the best openers that have played the game. There are, you know, Jeffrey Boykoff, for example, is what is a perfect example. You know, they have to, you know, they have to play properly uh, to be successful as an opener because you put, you, you know, you're facing new fresh bowlers with new balls that are going to move about. So if you're a you're an opener like Burns and you're constantly fiddling with your technique, which is un, unconventional anyway, you know, bowlers are going to find you out at that level. It's as simple as that, and that's why he averages 31 in Test match cricket, and he's got out of that. I think he's got four centuries. Got a good run, which probably elevated him to 31. Um, you know, he's not he's not going to get away with it. Ad infinitum. The best openers have classical techniques. Simple as that. Counter argument on 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 Facebook here is that in the last ten years, the best English opener openers are as follows: Alistair Cook averaged 41. And good technique. Yeah. Hasib Hamid averages 34 after six Test matches. Embryonic. Reasonable technique. Rory Burns averages 31. He's third on list in the last 10 years. Don't care. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I've just made the point. I mean, you could say, yeah, he's 31. You said he made three tons very quickly. I don't think he's got a huge amount of runs since then. I just don't. I think if you're looking for somebody who's going to play another 40 test matches and be your number one opener and your senior, I mean, he's 31 years of age now. So you do say, have we got, is this guy. Can he now play? Is he established? Can he play till he's 36, 37? And can we rely on him as our number one opener? Well, the answer to that is no. It's not. Yeah. You, you can't. I mean, the, the other thing I saw on Twitter the other day was that people were questioning Joe Root's captaincy. Um, Rory Burns is the only one that can take over. But you can't give it to somebody that's on the precipice of being dropped, can you? and I sent the Badger a message and now I'm on the podcast with this jingle. If you would like to get in touch with the Cricket Badger podcast, then tweet at cricket underscore badger. Ollie, let's move on um, away from uh, Rory Burns because we could talk about Rory Burns for an hour and a half. Um, Joss Butler, he's somebody that I have talked ad infinitum about, about whether he should be in that test team or not. But... The Joss Butler that turned up at the Gabba is the if Joss Butler's going to play Test cricket, that's the Joss Butler I want to see. I want to see a Joss Butler that goes out there with a little bit of aggression. If there's a bad ball, he's going to thump it, and he's going to be not play white ball Joss Butler, not be reckless, not be stupid. But if the ball's there to hit, he's going to thump it away. And he, he seemed to be on the front foot, metaphorically, in that innings. And I thought it looked better for it. I think sometimes Joss Butler gets caught between, um, I'm a white ball player, I can hit sixes, and, oh, I'm in a test match, I better be defensive. And he's not quite sure what to do. Yeah, it's interesting one, isn't it? Because you want him to do well, but ultimately, quite often in test matches, you're disappointed by him. And you know that he's so talented, especially at white ball game, that you want him to transfer across into the test game. And it's, it just shows how difficult it is. As good as you can be a white ball, to get runs in test cricket, it's the hardest form to do it. Now, it has, has been said, though, since he's been opening at T20 cricket, he's become more orthodox because he doesn't have to come up with so many funky things because the, the field is up. And effectively, it's just picking a gap or hitting the ball through the line or, or coming onto the front foot and playing through it. And that might have improved him or, or shown him to have a, much, a bit more solid orthodox technique going forward. And I hope so, because he did play some really good shots. Mm. But yet again, gives it away. You've got in, you've done all the hard work, you get to, into the 30s, and then you're sneaking off to a nothing ball, and it's well, a nothing shot. It's, it's I, I was on commentary, on it, and we were just having that discussion. You know, I, I was saying to my co-commentator, Joss Butler, to me, he's playing the way he should do, but this is, you know, he's got to kick on, he's got to make this a contribution. And then he was out, I think, the next over... And that's the frustration, isn't it? Because I, what I did like about him, though, he, he, he was hitting over the top of extra cover yeah. and, and he was taking the ball on. He wasn't being the kind of shrinking violet that I think sometimes he is. No, and, and obviously he's a, he's a good player of spin and, he, and, he, and, he's, and he's proved that as opening he can do it at T20. I know it's a totally different thing, but he can put the babble away. He looked confident and he looked so in form, maybe because he was informed in the T20 World Cup and, and he, he got some runs there and he got a lot of runs. Uh, and he just seemed very much more comfortable and much more relaxed than a lot of the other players. The other players seemed uptight. 
but he looks someone who was comfortable within his game. He's in. He's probably in the prime age now for his, his batting. He looks someone who was who was ready to show it. Still didn't go through with it, but he did look the most confident apart from Joe Root uh, for the innings. And I'll include David Milan's um, eight yeah. in that because he was quite scratchy to start with. Although he's done well, he's done well to fight through it. Um, Butler looked a lot more fluid for a long period and earlier on in his innings. I'm going to ask, ask for a vote now. There's four of us, so we might get to all. Um, Ollie Pope. Who thinks that Ollie Pope is the future of England's middle order in, in Test cricket? Hands, right hand raised. Who thinks that Ollie Pope should is going to be lucky to see it through this Ashes series? Right hand raised. What that, right, I voted for the first one. Just I forgot we were on the podcast there. I voted the first one. Nobody else put their hands up. So um, nobody's completely convinced. Ollie put his hand up there that he might be lucky to see it through the Ashes series. Would you be, um, if you were picking the team from scratch here, would Ollie Pope be in your first 11 for England? Hands up if you believe that. Just just two of us there. James and Mark have got their hands up. Phil yeah, and Ollie have, probably at the moment. Oh, Ollie, Ollie's wavering. Ollie's yeah. going, going for that. Um, let, let's let's discuss Ollie Pope because I think Ollie Pope has got everything. You know, if I was a young player at the minute and I was Ollie Pope, I would be so delighted because I've got so much talent oozing from every single pore. And he seems to me to be almost... There's two, two things wrong with Ollie Pope. He's a bit too frenetic at the start of his innings. It looks like his mind's racing and he's desperate to get going. And he hits some great shots and it then often comes good. But then he gets to 27 or he gets to 31 or he gets, you know, he never really sees it through. And there's so much talent there, Mark, in Ollie Pope that I, I just think um, I can understand why England are persevering with him. But how long, how long, do, you be, how long do you stay a promising young talent before you actually have to realise that you're actually getting on a bit and you you should actually be delivering? Yeah, it's a good question with him, isn't it? Because he has got a lot of talent. That's why they're persevering with him. And also, you know, he's probably... They've tried so many other different options and they've not come off, so they've got to invest in somebody in, in the long term. They obviously seem different than Lawrence. Um, I don't know. He is frenetic. He's frenetic. He doesn't seem to have kicked on since, the, since he got the ton in South Africa. He does get to 27 and play stupid shots, um, whether it's a matter of concentration, whether it's just the fact that, you know, he hasn't worked out a game plan at Test Cricket, I don't know. Similar players have had similar problems in the past. You know, Carl Hooper was one for the West Indies, who for a long time was seen as a sublime talent, but, you know, quite often, you know, got out in the 30s and it wasn't until he was in his mid his his 30s, mid 30s that he started scoring a lot of runs for the West Indies. But I mean, that that's the thing with Ollie Pope. I I, I mean Mike Gatting was similar for England, wasn't he? I, yeah. I can't remember how many ridiculous number of test matches it took Mike Gatting to score a century. But once he did, he was often and he was often running. And I mean Ollie Pope's got a century already to his name. But I I just think with Ollie Pope, there's going to be a day where suddenly everything goes clicks and he thinks I'm a test player now and he's off. Yeah, I think so, and I think he's he's got the talent. I mean, I've seen him get a ton. For, I've seen him get two tons for Surrey. Actually, I mean, looks a great player, but uh, that's obviously a different level of cricket. Maybe he might be suited more to batting at five rather than Stokes at five. I don't know. A bit more responsibility on him. Feeling that he's not batting with the middle order, the tail. I don't know, but um, I would persevere with him because a, I think he's got talent, and b, as we've said on numerous occasions, there isn't really much else in the in the pipeline, really. Well, on that on that point, um, Phil, you're an Essex fan. Dan Lawrence is is out there in the squad. Um, I like Dan Lawrence a lot. He's not maybe covered himself in complete glory yet in an England shirt. But he's had his moments. Yeah. Um, and on the uh, previous winter, the last Lions trip, um, he was in Australia and he topped the averages. You know, well into three figures. Played really well on that trip. So he obviously likes Australian pitches and yeah the Lions don't play mugs they play good bowlers on, yep. on those trips um do you think Lawrence is better than Pope or do you think there's room for both of them how do you see that better te- no technically I think Pope's a better player Lawrence has um I think Lawrence is a bit more um aggression as a bit I think he's a bit more competitive I mean I I I I think Pope stays in the team because no one has come along and taken the place from him and he's he's benefiting from a lack of competition. Lawrence can probably consider himself a bit hard done by um, in that regard. But equally, 
this is test cricket. You've got to come and take your opportunities and you've got oh, to learn if, your if the tour carries on like it is, then Lawrence is going to get a test match on this trip, isn't he? Yeah, and as you say, the, the, there's there's arguments for putting him in, in I mean, particularly in a team that looks so undercooked for someone who's at least demonstrated a preference for the conditions. Um, and I think the Aussies, you've got to fight fire with fire. You've got to, you've got to give some of it back. That that's why it it was it was so timid, so supine. Some of the batting in in the first test is what really gets my goat to be honest is that you the one thing you can't do is roll over and take it you've got to at least you know give some of it back along the way so they know for the next test and i think you get more of that with lawrence um but it's it's um how you how how would you get him in the team um, if you're if you're not going to drop pope um, how do you get him in one of the things, Ollie, I mean, if, if we could take Ollie Pope, Dan Lawrence and Hasip Hamid to the hospital, get, get a surgeon to basically sew them together and take Hasip Hamid's concentration and belligerence and technique, Ollie Pope's beauty, because when he plays well, he's terrific to watch, and a little bit of Dan Lawrence's spark and, and fight and, and, and drive, that would be a hell of a play, wouldn't it, if we could combine those three? Oh, absolutely. I mean... Yeah, I'd like to see how that would work out. If you can just get a diagram of it, which half and, and how you want it to work. You're going to keep Hassi Pamit's hair. That's got to stay on the, on the, on the <laughs> body. The, that's the best part. Is, um, <laughs> but I actually, going back to I think Ollie Pope sometimes escapes more media criticism because he is really easy on the eye when he, when he bats well and, and he's more classical. If it was Zach Crawley getting out, and I know he has done, for example, who's got a bit more of a different technique or, or Roy Burns, they get a lot more heat than Ollie Pope. He gets away with it because he's a lot more classical, Great to watch, easy on the eye. And, and in fact, he, he's almost like got that Mark Rampercash in the 20s, gets out quite a lot, looks good, and then doesn't go any further. And, but I, I think England, I think Dan Lawrence is hard done by. I'm not the biggest fan of Dan Lawrence, but if you look at the runs, it's probably, he's got a stat load of runs in the last three three years, probably won the highest in the championship. So they've got that. And I think he had a, he, he showed a lot of promise in, in Sri Lanka. He, uh, he got some good innings. I think he's a bit unlucky. Uh, and again, he if he was selected, he's going to come in less cooked than a lot of the players in the Lions are who are play, facing good bowlers. So you'd think almost by, with him being in the squad, it's going to put Lawrence possibly further down the pecking order than someone like Abrasi or Bahannon who got... It's a, it's a really good point, that, Ollie, because Don Best got sent to the Lions and he played for the Lions. It wouldn't have been, wouldn't have been the daftest decision in the world to get Dan Lawrence some runs for the Lions as well, would it? But do you know what, what? What's frustrating is we know what Don Best can do, and obviously he's gone there for practice. You've got two leg spinners who can get bowl a ball, and Matt Parkinson had the same last winter when he was carrying drinks. He must be brilliant at mixing them. You are listening to the Cricket Badger Podcast. Thank you to our sponsors today. You can grab your holiday season deal by going to nordvpn.com forward slash badger. And you can use the code Badger to get up to 73% off your NordVPN plan and a bonus gift. So use that. Keep your internet safe. Use that code Badger, nordvpn.com forward slash Badger and use the code Badger and you can get 73% off. My name is Jacob and I sent the Badger a message and now I'm on the podcast with this jingle. If you would like to get in touch with the Cricket Badger podcast, then tweet at cricket underscore badger. Facebook user says vote yes on Ollie Pope. He's an Ollie Pope fan. Let's move on to um, combining the two sides then. Australia, I don't think this is a vintage Australian side by any means. They've got some very good players in there, but they are beatable. I think they've got weaknesses in that team as well. And who would get... It's probably there's going to be more Australians in the combined team, especially in Australian conditions. Which of the English players would get across into that Australian side, and who would they take out? I mean, I, I it's difficult to get rid of Travis Head, isn't it, off the back of what he did? But you'd imagine that Ollie um, Joe Root would come in and replace Travis Head and line up alongside Smith and Labuschagne in the middle order, Phil, wouldn't he? Yeah, I. I... I suppose you've got to set your parameters. You're going on form, uh, fitness. I mean, it's, yeah, a, a prime route has to get in there somewhere, um, as would a prime Stokes. But Stokes in his current state would um, would struggle to get 
on the pitch as 12th man. I'll tell you what, I wish, I wish my worst state was what Ben Stokes is capable of. No, I, I, it's, I mean, it's, I mean you, you, he obviously deserves the regard in which he's held because he's just performed beyond what, what is reasonable. Um, but it's such an ask to ask a man who's had that time off to come straight back in to an Ashes test in Australia and yeah. expect him to be able to bat and bowl and field and, and, and turn matches in a team that's struggling so desperately already. But it, it, it's um, ordinarily you'd think Stokes would be certainly coming for someone like Cameron Green. Um, but given his physical difficulties and you know, coming back into it, I, I, I think he would struggle at the moment. I, I mean, would we agree then? We haven't gone to the openers yet, but would we agree? Love Shane at three, Smith at four, Root at five, and probably Ben Stokes coming in at six instead of Cam Green. I think Cam Green's going to be a very, very fine player. I don't think he's quite there yet. Would you Would you be happy with that, chaps? Yeah, I would be. So um, on the on that basis, then that's that that's three, four, five, and six sorted out. Openers, we've got David Warner. We've got Marcus Harris, we've got Hassi Pamid, and we've got Rory Burns. On the basis of what we discussed already, I think we can discount Rory Burns because I don't think he's going to get that many. <laughs> he's not going to get that many votes. Um, does Hassi Pamid replace um, Marcus Harris and line up alongside David Warner? Yeah. Phil shaking his head. Ma- not Marcus me, Harris is, is rated as the worst test opener in history. Average yeah. wise after 20 test matches or 20 innings. And he and, could and, wander and, into and our he could wander into our team at the moment. Yeah, but he wouldn't though, would he? He's not better than Hassi Pamid, is he? <laughs> well, I mean, we keep talking up Hassi, but I mean, he's he's averaging what 26, 26 over his uh, Test career now, isn't he? Thirty-four. Well, twenty-six since his comeback, or twenty-five. I don't know. He's averaging I mean, thirty-four, he which is more than Marcus Harris averages. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean. I think you'd have to look at promoting one of the reserve middle order batsmen to be one of the owners, I think. Maybe put Stokes in as an opener and have Green in it green in it um, number six because you, I, you know I I I'm gonna I'm gonna take Badge's um Badge's voting rights here and Hassi Pamid comes in yeah. instead of Marcus Harris. You're not getting Marcus Harris. The Hashi fan club is James. So. Yeah, so David Warner, Hamid, Lovish Shane Smith, Root Stokes. It's actually three and three so far in this uh, in this batting lineup. Um, the wicketkeeper um, at number Butler. seven, Josh Butler or Alex Carey. He wants to uh, make a case for either. It'd have to be Butler on, you know, Carey's not proven anything at test level. So it'd have to be Butler, the fact that he averages 33 or 34. Well, Marcus Harris hasn't proven anything at test uh, level, and you're well, Butler, for him. Butler, Butler, if you think about it, as a number seven batsman, as a wicketkeeper batsman, he averages 33. We had this debate last summer. Perfectly reasonable as a wicketkeeper batsman. Uh, maybe our expectations of Josh are a bit elevated. You, you, you don't know. need another batsman there. You can bring in folks and have a proper keeper. Oh, no need for that. You, you've got six. You've got six top. Well, unless Harris or Hamid, right? Five top batsmen before them. If you still need your wicketkeeper to bat, then we need to give this game up. If you're watching Marcus or Hasib, I'm very sorry for some of the comments that have just been given out for both of you two. Um, so we're going to put Josh Butler in at number seven. So the gentleman that said to me on Twitter earlier, how many of the England players would get into this combined eleven? So far, it's four English and three Australian. Um, the bowling might be slightly different, but it might not be. Um, who is cast iron in terms of this bowling attack? Any Anybody object to me sticking Pat Cummins in at number eight? Um, he's not just beautiful to look at, because he's a very, very handsome man. He's a, he's a very, very fine player as well. Number nine in this side is going to be the spinner. <laughs> well, well that's, that's a really tough one, that, isn't it? So that's I reckon Lyon. it might be Mr. Lyon, mind that 402 yeah. wickets I think he's got now. So we'll we'll take that as red. Hazelwood's um I know he's injured, but I think we're gonna keep yeah. him as pretend he's fit for this. Hazelwood's yeah, got If we pretended list. Stokes is fit, then yeah. we've got to pretend we, we, Hazelwood. We've got to put Hazelwood in at ten, haven't we? Yeah. yeah. Does an English bowler get in at number eleven and, and oust Mitchell Stark? Uh in Australian conditions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well Jimmy hasn't got the greatest record in Australia, has he? Mark Wood? Uh, no. I'd, I'd, I'd think, look, I'd, I think he'd, he'd have a shout of getting in there 11. But I think the fact that Stark's a lefty yeah. has that bit of variation. You, 
you'd have to I'd, I'd keep him I'd be I mean just just a point to make here the Australians aren't even sure they're going to keep him in the side let alone being in the combined 11 he'd get yeah. outside every, every game most games I, I agree I, agree I don't understand why there's so much criticism in Australia to start because I think he's a fine bowler I know he's, he's, a, good lad, he's a good lad as well he was, he, I was at Yorkshire when he played that season and he's a really nice fella so yeah. we're going to really good on, the, on the basis purely of niceness He's averaging 32 with a bat in the last three years, I think, or something like that. Yeah, he's got he's higher average than that. He should be batting a bit higher than that. But. Yes, we're gonna um, we'll put him ahead of Lyon. Then he goes in at number nine, um, Lyon at ten, and Hazelwood at, at eleven. So it's basically an all, apart from Stokes, it's an all Australian bowling attack. Um, but it's uh, our, our combined side is David Warner, Hasip Hamid, Manus Labuschagne, Steve Smith, Joe Root, Ben Stokes, Josh Butler, Pat Cummins. Mitchell Stark, Nathan Lyon, and Josh Hazelwood. I reckon that's about right. Would, would you argue now that Root is now our mainline spinner had a leap <laughs> after the last game? We could talk about this again for another hour, but Matt Parkinson, why did he not get a game for the Lions? Why was no, he not in that? It's, it's criminal. I mean, he would have he would have made sense. And the thing is, Australia taken the decision quite rightly. It was a really good tactic to basically gun him down and fire him out of the attack. They did it brilliantly against Jack Leach, and Jack Leach yeah. didn't have a plan B, did he? The thing with Parkinson is he plays white ball cricket. He's used to people having a yeah. go at him. He can change his attack. He can, he, he can. I think he'd be better in that situation, Mark, than than Leach or Bess in that in that regard. Yeah, well, you can't, don't have to say anything about Matt Parkinson for me because I think he's a fine bowler, and I think England uh, at the moment just wasting his talents. I mean, as soon as he can drop him from the white ball team to drop him. Um, having said that, I feel very, very sorry for Leach. Um, you know, England pre- pre- England keeps saying they have these plans and it's all been geared for the Ashes, but Leach didn't play a bloody Test match in in the summer, and then he suddenly he suddenly banged into the first Test match at Brisbane on a mm. green top in the first innings. You know, with, with some of the best batsmen in the world intent and, on hitting him out of the attack, well, yeah. and the left-handers as well. I mean, yeah. just. I don't know. It just shows you what, what muddled thinking the so-called plan of Silverwood and Root has been. It's just been chaotic. So I do feel for Jack Leach. And remember, he did get knocked about in India. I think he was in Chennai, wasn't he, in the first Yeah, day. Rishabh Pant took him down, didn't he? And he, he came back well in that series. So he's got some character about him. So people keep saying it's a, another Kerrigan moment and he's, you know, he should get dropped and that's it. I feel sorry for the guy, but he's yeah, he's, undo- he's undoubtedly got something between the ears. The, yeah. the thing, Ollie, that would um, suggest that Matt Parkinson is not going to get a go is that I mean, I listened to Jonathan Agnew's six-part preparation of for the Ashes. He interviewed pretty much every single one of the twenty-two behind-the-scenes staff that are out there in Australia, you know, from the nutritionist all the way through to the, the you know the, the coaching staff, and they they all made a big point, or, or, or some of them made a big point of. Um, their stats and their the history of the stats in the in the Ashes series would lead them not to make you know give a debut to a player in an Ashes series. Um, so they've obviously made that decision that they because I mean the, the squad they've taken they've all played Test cricket. There's not a there's not a potential new cap in the in the main squad. That would suggest to me that Matt Parkinson's not got a, hell, a chance in hell of making his debut. Uh, well, uh, there's plenty of players. I, I the main Test stage using in 2010-11. And also Ben Stokes did in 2013-14 that, that, that would, would counter that. And there's other players who have done well after making their debut in, in Ashes series. So I, th- I think Kevin Peterson, another exception of it. I know it's down under. It just seems to be that his face doesn't fit at the moment. And they've got their plan, as they like to call it. And, and they'll go with they'll go with Leach and that doesn't work. They'll go with Bess. And if that doesn't work, they'll have to go back to Crane or who Park, and Parkinson who haven't been playing for a long time. It's a concern because they don't seem to, to, to want to pick the wrist spinner, which actually in Australian conditions would probably work a bit better. Phil, when does um, Simon Harmer qualify? Does that, that not happen anymore because of Brexit? <laughs> I, I don't think it happens anymore, does it? Um, I, think, I, think, I think Brexit means Harmer can never play for England, doesn't it? Because it, it yeah. kind of changes the uh, changes the rules in him being English, effectively. Yeah, well, uh, it doesn't sound like there was any plan to get him in, was there? I mean, they'd have had to have set those wheels in motion. It's, it's not like it's new, the Harmer um, phenomenon at uh, Jumpsford, is it? He's, he's been outperforming every other spinner in the country for God knows how long. 
Um, I mean, I, I must admit, I'd prefer to see Simon Harmer than Jack Leach, with all due respect to Jack Leach. I totally agree with what Mark said. He's got something between the ears, Jack Leach. He's got a fight and he's got determination. Yeah, but... I, you couldn't film it. If you were going to pick the worst situation to drop somebody into, as Mark described, you would pick uh, you know, five, six months of not playing, dropping him onto a, t- a pitch against um, a baying Australian set of left-handers on a yeah. green top. I mean, it, 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 he's got every reason to be thoroughly um, there was a There was a moment in the um, Formula 1 Grand Prix, I, watched, I don't watch Formula 1 very often, but obviously it was a major, major moment. And uh, Lewis Hamilton was talking to his pit lane and, it, and they were explaining to him at the restart. And he said, so he's going to be right behind me, is he, on new tyres? And mm. you could hear in Lewis Hamilton's voice, he was thinking, well, that's my world title gone. And that's basically the same thing with Jack Leach, isn't it? I'm going there's to be at the Gabba against left-handers. Yeah, there's absolutely stuffed him. Uh, and you, you've, you've got to manage your spinners. If you're a captain, you've got to captain them properly. It's a completely different proposition, bowling any form of spin with a bit of pressure. Being under pressure, uh, it's, it's an awful job. It's an awful job. It, yeah, the seamers haven't worked. Here's the ball. Now you get on with it. it I mean, it's just... Uh, I'd, I'd be absolutely livid if it was my opportunity to fight my way back in and you handed that type of circumstances and essentially told, can't Superman out. Go, 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 you're going to have to Superman this situation. Yeah. Uh, bowl out of your skin in the first innings as well. Not, he's not even on a four-day pitch. You can't, no one can judge that. No one can judge him by that because it was an absolutely awful scenario to be drawn into. Do you think they should stop having left-handers there? Just let him bowl to to right-handers? Because he's got to to be able to have a plan B. He's got to be able to adapt his game. And even he's at 29-30 now, when does that come? I know he hasn't played for a bit, but you think having that much experience in a first-class game or playing the games he does at at Somerset should give him that sort of ability to do that? Plan B. Yeah, I mean, you, yeah, but you're asking him to. I mean, there might be a plan B, but if you're bowling with no pressure, if you if you are just on the end of someone charging you, and there is nothing, you've got nothing there in terms of runs to protect you, no pressure in, uh, at all coming from the other end, then you, you're just you're just asking him to win it on on on, on his skill alone, and it's it's just so hard to do when you've got no pressure there. Of, on the scoreboard, if you know that you are going well, to be just, 200 runs behind every inning. You've just said, Phil, that an international cricketer who plays test matches should rely on his skill alone. That's not too much to ask, is it? Well, yes, look, there, are, there are players that can do it. Uh, but, you know, if you're constantly under the pressure of being 150 runs or, or, or under the pressure of being behind on the first innings and, and then your option is, well, you know, here, here, here's the ball, Jack. Crack on, son. Um, you, you, you've not got the benefit of um, of us being able to protect you uh, in, in terms of uh, being able to have a few runs scored off you because we can we can bring the field in, we can um, set attacking fields for you. You're just simply asking him to work to to, to work on the uh, off the pitch, and it's an, it, it, there he should be able to produce. And he has produced on occasion, as Mark pointed out. Yeah, he has made his, his comeback in India. But to expect someone to to produce worn like performances off uh, and save games single handed, he's not he's not that he's not that bowler. He he is not an ex, he's not an exceptional uh, spin bowler. And to expect him to bowl as one um, is just unreasonable to my mind. You've got to give him a chance. Joe Root as captain. I want to make this very quick. I I would have. Batted first if I'd been Joe Root. I said so before the toss, and it's the Gabba. He should have batted first. He was let down by his batsmen, including himself, because the batsmen just didn't turn up for him, did they? Um, I thought there was a lot of people on Twitter who were saying, um, or, or were keeping the powder dry maybe, or saying, oh, it might be a good toss to lose or something, who then lumped into him after England lost a load of wickets. All of a sudden, oh, he should have bowled first. Quite hindsight's a wonderful thing, isn't it? In, in cricket, on the toss and stuff, I thought I thought it was the right decision to bat first. You just needed England's batsmen to turn up, and surprise, surprise, they didn't do, and they let they let him down. And he was part of he was part of that as well. If England had made two fifty, two sixty, that Test match would have been a totally different beast going through the rest of it. But let's move ahead to Adelaide because that's now the last eleven Test matches England have played in Australia. They've lost ten and drawn. One, 
Um, the last three pink ball test matches, England have played overseas, they've lost. Um, Australia have never lost a pink ball test match. Um, and yet the narrative in the English kind of psyche in the press seems to have suggested for some time now, this is England's chance. The pink ball test match is the leveller. This is where England can stand up and, and get something from this series. Mark, on the basis of the stats I've just given you, that's a little bit fanciful, isn't it? Yeah, it's a bit fanciful, but with this England side, they can pull results out of the hat and um, they will have Anderson back. Um, they will have Broad back. They will probably go to an all-seam attack. The ball will hopefully, hopefully swing uh, in the pink ball test, particularly maybe when it gets to the twilight sessions. So, you know, just because they've never done it doesn't mean they can't do it. And the nature of this, this unpredictable England side is that, you know, if Anderson has a good day and somebody backs him up with the ball and somebody, you know, Root gets some runs, then they could feasibly win, feasibly win it. I don't expect that to happen, but um, I can see what they're thinking. I can see what the strategy is, so-called. Do I think that will happen? Uh, no, I don't think Australia will win the Test match, but um, England have surprised us before. You know, they have individuals that can win games. What I said at the beginning of the show is they don't have teams that can win big series, but they have individuals that can win a game. It can happen, but I think Australia will win. The last pink ball Test match Australia played was against India, um, and they bowled India out for 36, I think. Um, that was India bounced back off that and, and ended up winning that series. But um, I, I tweeted earlier, Ollie, the pink ball test matches to me, I don't think we've quite got it right yet, but um, sometimes the pink ball swings in those twilight, uh, that twilight hour, and it hoops around corners and the bowlers have a field day. Sometimes it does nothing at all. <laughs> it can be quite um, dead as a dodo during the daytime. Part of it can be batting, um, very much batting friendly, and on that basis, to me, it's very much a lottery because it's who who is batting when it's dead as a dodo, who has the ball in hand when it suddenly starts to hoop around corners. If that's Pat Cummins or Michael Nessa comes in or whoever comes in and 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 is you know hooping it around at uh, England's top order, they struggle when the ball's not moving. If the ball's hooping around corners and it's pink, what chance have England got? Ollie? Well, we're really good at finding the edge when it's not moving. I'm just hoping it moves too much and we don't, we don't get that close to it. When it comes to that, I think what it can do is it can exacerbate the difference between the sides, but also, like I say, it can level it. The only good thing to say is that last time is, and a lot and a lot of people would say James Anderson got it under lights. He got four wickets outside of the lights playing a part. So that was, he did get the ball to do stuff and got four out of his five wickets during the daylight hours before the lights played a part. And I'm hoping that he's able to do something. There's a lot of pressure on someone, again, who hasn't bowled very much. Didn't play in the last test. Hasn't got any miles in the legs. He's got experience. But him and Stuart Broad, especially James Anderson, in the most recent years, has shown that he needs a couple of games sometimes to get into a series. So I'm a bit worried about that. I hope that we can pull something out. I hope, and also, but we, you don't think so. But, it's that um, word hope again. I'll, I hope it's that, that word hope again. Uh, it's the hope it, that that's kills the you. It. That's the <laughs> but again, I know something, but we might win the toss again, and then we might we might back for a day and a bit, and then it goes flat, and Australia come in, and the ball doesn't do anything. That's like I said, it is a lottery, and that's what makes it quite exciting because there's so there's even more nuance involved in it because of the lights and the change of that, and no one's sure that pink ball behaves like it's it's yeah, it's it's, it's, it's I'm looking forward to it, and it's a much better time than it's to watch. Yeah, four in the morning UK start, isn't it, Phil? And uh, will you be setting the alarm clock to get up and watch? England trounce Australia in Adelaide. Yeah, yeah, for for my sins. Um, I, I think I I think the it's a leveler, isn't it? it? It takes the edge off, or potentially a leveler. It could, I suppose, depending on the toss, exacerbate the differences between the teams. Um, but it's um, you'd like to think that if we can get the benefit of a swinging ball when we bowl, that that would um, play into our hands, albeit that. As you say, we can't seem to play a straight ball, let alone a um, a swinging ball. So, uh, yeah, I, look, I'm not filled with much optimism. I'll certainly be tuning in to watch it, and it is a far more reasonable time, um, far more acceptable time uh, for for um, for cricket viewing. Uh, and the best thing about that, getting up early, is that you can actually have some peace and quiet while you watch it. 
instead of the um, the kids demanding your phones like I had today, which is why I nearly missed the message for this. So um, I'm op- I, I'm tuning in. I'm optimistic insofar as I think we you take the heat out of it. I mean, Ollie Pope struggled. He looked like he, he he sort of ran out of steam a bit in the afternoon. So you'd like to think if it's a bit cooler that he might benefit from from uh, bowling in the cooler conditions. That the um, the swinging ball hopefully suits our bowlers a bit more than the, we've got the bowlers to exploit that a bit more. So I'd I'd like to think we've got more prospect in this one. And uh, what chance do we have? I think we've got a, a tosser's chance, haven't we? If we win the toss, then um, then we're in the game. And well, if we lose the toss, then you're looking at a two-day. The one thing in Joe Root's favour is he is a very good tosser. He's got a good record. Um, let's finish off then, fellas. Um, we didn't do a, a preview um, podcast. So we've not heard any of your predictions. This is where Mark gets turned off. Um, but 1-0 uh, down, England going into the second test match. Four to play. Phil, let's start with you. Your serious prediction: A, who wins the second Test match, and B, what's the result going to be after five? Um, I think the Aussies win the second Test match. I think they um, win one of the next two. They're three nil up by the time we go into the last one. They're given up, and we might sneak the fourth one, uh, the last one, which will then cover over a few cracks. And everybody's so. suggesting that Hobart might be a bit more English friendly. It might be yeah. kind of more English conditions in in Hobart. Mark, what about you um, in terms of your prediction for the second test match and your series prediction? I think for the second test match, I think Australia will win. I think with two test, ma- two test matches in succession quite quick, it could it could really unravel quite quickly if England do get badly beaten in this test match for the Boxing Day one. I can see Australia winning. I think Australia win 5-0, but I can see it being 4-1. But my money would be on 5 nil. You're an absolute disgrace, Mark Hilton. Um, I'm going to go next, Ollie, so I'm going to level it up a little bit and give you the chance to have the deciding vote here. Because um, I think England will win the second Test match in Adelaide. I think the Test at the MCG will be a draw. It'll be a high-scoring draw. Um, then we will go into the game in, the, in Sydney where Australia will win and England will win in Hobart. And that's where my two-all comes in, Mark, that you were, you were questioning the other day. So, uh, two all in this series, but England won't bring the urn home. Ollie? Well, I, I think a lot depends actually on David Warner's fitness. So, if he, he's a doubt at the moment with the, with the bruising, if he doesn't play, that really does expose their top order. I think if Marcus Harris and Kawaja, uh, compared to Marcus Harris and David Warner, is, is, a, is a, a lot bigger prospect, really, and it takes pressure off. Um, so, I think that will be key. The loss of Hazelwood, although they bring Nisa in, Hazelwood's an absolute class bowler. And his record with the pink ball is good. So I think England will benefit possibly from the one at the moment, possibly two absentees to the Australian team. England can't really start as badly again, even though saying that they quite often do go to new depths. But I'm really <laughs> optimistic that they, they will play better. And again, they've got a game under their belt. So that's like the, they've effectively had uh, a, a four or five day warm up game. Oh, wait. Because they were so undercooked. In, England's are most dangerous when they've just lost. But they always are. They, yeah. they they wait until the newspapers turn on them. They wait until everybody writes them off, and that's when they fight back. They've always done. Yeah, it. I, I think England. Um, I, so I think they've got. Depending on the Warner situation, there is a the England could win this. I think it's one of their better chances, and I'm glad they're not playing at Perth because if they're at Perth, they've got no chances. Right, that one straight away. Yeah, absolutely agree. I think we just want to see some fight, don't we? I just, yeah, I just want to see some aggression. I just, I just want to see someone give it back to them. We haven't got your prediction, Ollie. Who's going to win the series? Oh, it'd be Australia will win the series. I'm not, <laughs> only only Australia yeah. will go two-two, and, and then actually. I hadn't noticed James like drinking, it. but he must be. I I, I want to. Well, there's there's not alcohol. I would like to the odds on that. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd take four-one. Four-one. Oh, I think that's better. Or we sneak at Hobart. You know, it very '90s style when they, when the, when a dead rubber at the end, take the gloss off an Australian series win. So, just I, I thought I was by far the most pessimistic person on air, and apart from James, who's clearly off with the fairies, <laughs> uh, I, I am I am the most optimistic one among us. 
Yeah. You, st- you started off by lowering the lowering the bar, though, Phil. I lowered you, you, you in. You brought everybody down with you. Um, Phil, Mark and Ollie, as always, an absolute pleasure to have yeah, you on the uh, Cricket Badger podcast. We are going to come back after the second Test match, ahead of Test match number three, and hopefully at some stage between all of them as we go through. Don't forget that you can get your deal with the... Um, Nord VPN. Grab your holiday season deal by going to nordvpn.com forward slash badger or use code badger to get up to 73% off your Nord VPN plan and a bonus gift. So nordvpn.com forward slash badger and you'll see all of the details there in terms of keeping your internet safe and what have you. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Enjoy the second test match. Thanks for listening and watching, everybody. And we'll see you again very soon indeed. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.